in Chicago, two comedian skeptics named Andy and Art were mysteriously abducted by the illusionary mastermind and conspiracy theorist known only as Mr. Mr. Bunker. Bunker. The following serves as a record of Bunker's attempt to convince non-believers of the truth about conspiracies and paranormal activity. Andy and Art give an uninterrupted presentation and verdict on the plausibility of these offbeat topics, delivering what they call the, the whole enchilada. Will Mr. Bunker convince these two skeptics any of this is real? Will it convince you? Mr. Bunkers Conspiracy Time Podcast. As always, I'm your co-host Art Stone, and with me as always is your co-host Andy Hart. Hi, Bunk Funkers. Glad that you're here. Thanks for joining us. Now, before we get started, just want to run through a little few ground rules we've got for today. Uh Uh, Number one, if you need to use the potty, feel free to pause and go use the potty. Mm. The most important thing is don't mess your pants. No. Uh, number two, there are snacks. Everybody, there's enough for everybody, but don't overdo it. We don't have an unlimited amount. Keep in mind, this is a podcast, not a grocery That's store. Right. Number three, uh, share. Number four, be kind. <laughs> and number okay, five. Okay, I think we're ready to get started. Get ready to oh. weaponize your curiosity. <laughs> Because, you see, I weaponized my kindness. <laughs> um, now, Andy, I have a... That was that was lovely. And I think those are some great house rules that every podcast listener should uh, live by. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, Andy, uh, there's, there's something that I got to say up top. Mm, okay, let it, get it out. And, uh, let it off your chest. All right, here we go. But I'm on the outside I'm looking in I can see through you See your true colors Cause inside you're ugly You're ugly like me I can see through you See to the real you You know, Andy, much like today's topic, much like how I can see through you, uh, you could probably see through today's topic, couldn't you? Oh, okay. I thought this was going to be something about how I'm a bad person on the inside. (laughs) Well, you are. Don't mistake that. Okay. Okay. Just to be clear. Uh, Yeah, because you you can look through a crystal and (laughs) crystals are the subject today. Specifically, crystals shaped like skulls. That's right, Andy. Crystal skulls. Um, you can see through them because they're made of crystals. Uh, you know what? There's uh, They're fun artifacts, possibly related to ancient civilizations, possibly related to Atlantis, possibly related to UFOs or aliens or extraterrestrials. There's so much stuff involved in today's topic. And possibly not just can you physically see through them, but you can see through them 
to other times. That's right. Past, present, future. Uh, they have a bunch of wacky, crazy powers, and you also, the listener, have a crazy, wacky power. Because if you look <laughs> in the show notes, if you look in the show description, the episode description, the notes, there will be a timestamp. It'll say research begins at blank. And if you follow that timestamp code, you can get right to when all the research starts. Because first, um, wow. we, Andy and I. What a power. It's an, it's an incredible power the, that has been. The power to use time to obliterate obnoxious <laughs> podcast hosts. Unbelievable. That's right. What a time to be alive. <laughs> you can make us seemingly not exist. Um, <laughs> which, you know, I mean, if you could pass that power on to our parents, I'm sure they would be a lot better off. <laughs> They'd be a lot happier. Yeah. Or our wives in my of- <laughs> Oh, Jesus. Oh, no geez. respect. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Uh, 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 who he? Who he? Uh, who why he? <laughs> who he? You he? know, somebody is. Somebody was like, oh, you know, I won't skip this time. I'll check out what the intro's like. And then we just did all that. And they were like, oh, you know, yeah. I made the wrong choice. Uh, <laughs> never mind. Where's that timestamp? Um, yeah, for you, even people that regularly listen to the intro are probably looking for the timestamp right now. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, no. We have some things we got to take care of, Andy, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, we got scores to settle. Yeah, we got uh, beefs and stuff. Um, we got beefs. Every week on this show andy and i used to be captured by the titular mr bunker right the titular mr bunker the 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 uh the namesake of the show i guess you could say or uh, you know him you don't like him and uh he would capture us he would abduct andy and i and bring us to a remote underground bunker but since Mm -hmm. the time of covid since the lockdown andy and i have been doing this from home and bunker has just been like gallivanting and doing all sorts of sightings and things that he's been doing. He's been seeing the world. And um, we've even had a few bunk funkers, you know, a few listeners send us in uh, sightings that they've had of him. Yeah. And things, yeah, he's been you know. he's been seen in the wild. Uh, but this week we didn't receive any any uh, major sightings. If you have seen Mr. Bunker out there in the wild, please email us. Uh, MrBunkerPod at gmail.com or write to us on Twitter and Instagram at MrBunkerPod. Mm-hmm. Let us know what you've seen. But he sent us another postcard this week. I don't know why I said it like right. I was Canadian. Another postcard. I'm from Minnesota. He sent us another postcard, eh? Yeah. So, Sorry about that. You know, this is uh, this is a little bit different than uh, what we've become accustomed to um, <laughs> with Mr. Bunker. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. You know, he's... He's been out to boot uh, quite a bit lately. Um, yeah, he hasn't been going to the Timmy's. He hasn't different. been going to Timmy's to get himself a tall latte. Has he done there? <laughs> no. Uh... Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. There. Um, I think I think maybe we have <laughs> <laughs> it's me, a uh, Canadian person. Hardy, hardy, I am famous Canadian Blackbeard. I am the famous Canadian pirate Maplebeard. Yardy, dardy, dar. My beard be so sticky. That's where I kept me treasure. Tried to get it out. <laughs> I'm part leprechaun. Yeah, <laughs> 
You'll never get me Lucky uh, Charms. <laughs> You'll never get me Maple Beard. Um. Anyway, we got a postcard. Anyway, uh, we got a postcard. Uh, I think this might answer the question of why we didn't get any bunker sightings from bunk funkers this week. Um, quite different uh, postcard. Now, loyal listeners will know this, but for those who are just tuning in for the first time and have regrettably made the decision to stick through the entire pre-bunk here, um, we are... Um, thanks, Vanth. Uh, we are... Uh, We've been getting postcards throughout with Mr. Bunker. He's taking snapshots, pictures of himself or having someone else take the pictures uh, in front of like whatever monument he's visiting or whatever he's doing. And then he writes us a little message on the back. Um, So he's been all these exotic places. He's been in the space station. He was uh, underground multiple times uh, just in the dark. Um, And uh, this week uh, we got a picture of him. From the bunker. Yeah, he's in the bunker. He was in the bunker. And um, he's sitting on his bunker couch, which is uh, a, like, 1970s, you know, one of these, like, brown and orange crosshatch upholstered couches. I mean, don't lift the cushions on it, bunk bunkers. You don't want to know what's underneath those fucking cushions. They haven't been cleaned, and it's real nasty. (laughs) Yeah. And he's sitting there on the couch. No shirt. No shirt. Got a got a pair of pants on. He's though. losing Thank a little bit God. of the buffness. Can we just yeah, say that? Bit, you He's got to let himself go yeah, a little bit. I'm just going to put it out there. Uh, Bunker's not unbuff, but he's not buff buff. Right. You get it? So he's sitting there, shirt off, wearing pants. One hand, he's doing the Al Bundy thing. Half his, his fingers and half his palm are inside the waistband of the pants. Yeah. Presumably he's fondling himself. Uh, I mean, you can't presume. You know, I kind of sit like that sometimes. It is very comfortable. It is comfortable. Um, But he's got his hand halfway in the waistband of the pants. Uh, His other arm, uh, and I mean, just for anybody who, uh, you know, if you've got small children watching this, first of all. First of all, how are they watching this? (laughs) What medium are you using? Yeah, just make them stare at the podcasting app. Uh, good way to pass the time. Um, his other arm is around the taxidermied body of the Sasquatch that he Jesus murdered. Christ. So he's sitting on his couch, one hand halfway in his pants, and the other around the taxidermied body of the Sasquatch. Ugh. And... What's what the note says is that he took the week off and he's chilling in the bunker and he's watching in honor of this this topic, he's watching an Indiana Jones marathon with the Squatch. Hanging with Squatch. And eating snacks. Oh, they got so many now, fucking snacks. His chest is like covered in crumbs. Yeah. Popcorn kernels, uh-huh. Cheetos dust. Right. He's got fucking Doritos, he's got fucking Tostino's crumbs. pizza rolls. He's got bagel dogs. I mean, he went all out. He's got jalapeno poppers. Oh, jalapeno poppers. He's got those uh really tasty uh pretzels filled with peanut butter from Costco. Yep, <laughs> yep, and he's got the microwave ones full of cheese. <laughs> I've never had those. Um 
Yeah, well, super pretzel. Check them out <laughs> at your grocer's freezer. Um, he's got hot pockets. Hot pockets. Hot pockets. He's got. Pretty sure um, I saw an Arby's beef and cheddar in there. A big cheddar from Arby's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's several boxes of curly fries too, <laughs> uh, and an inexplicably large container of Arby's sauce. Uh, Donkey it sauce. Looks like dunking everything in that donkey huh? sauce. Arby's horsey sauce. sauce. Horsey sauce. Donkey. <laughs> That's the other one. Donkey sauce is the guy. Fieri donkey sauce thing. is guy Fieri. Yeah. Fieri. Uh, and don uh, and donkey punch is the second yeah. thing. <laughs> okay, that's I always get those confused. Yeah, yeah, it's led to a lot of embarrassing trips to Guy Fieri's restaurants. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean he's got he's got a real smorgasbord. I'm pretty sure I saw like eighty like old cases of Surge Cola that he's probably yeah. had since the nineties. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, he's he's a doomsday prep. There was like, Zima's old Crystal Zima's yeah. cr- Clear Pepsi, Crystal Pepsi, which is fitting. Yeah, yeah, Clear Pepsi, New Coke, uh, New Coke only, Coke, no old classic Coke. Diet Coke, Diet Coke with lime and lemon. Yeah, he's got yeah. he's got old bottles of Sprite when they were trying to do that tropical flavor thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he's got a cardboard cutout of LeBron. That's not a snack, but it's in the back. Well, I mean, LeBron sometimes looks like a snack, but also fuck LeBron. Oh, jeez. Oh, God. Oh, God. You know where my... sexually attracted to LeBron. My allegiances lie. Yeah, yeah. Chicago um, Bulls. Um, snow caps. Oh, yeah. Snow caps. Uh, junior mints. Uh, chicken McNuggets. <laughs> He's got those in candy form and in regular form. He's got those cookies that they used to give out with Happy Meals. You remember those? Uh, the no, McDonald's so. characters cookies? Oh, maybe. Yeah, they're like yep. graham crackers or shortbread or something. Yeah, sure. yeah. I think they were shortbread. Um, yeah, um, I mean, he's really got a whole... He's got the old school animal crackers, too. They used to come in the fucking box. Right. Of the circus box. Juju fruits. Oh, yeah, juju fruits. One of the worst candies of all time. Um... Um, Sour Patch Kids, bees as well. Also terrible. Sugar Sugar Babies, which are also awful. Bit O Honey, uh, Bit O Honey's terrible. He's got terrible candies too. He's got a whole stack, and they're literally in a basket called terrible candies. <laughs> those those Mary Jane peanut butter candies. There's uh, Whoppers, Whoppers. Yeah. He's got Whoppers. He's got Milk Duds. It's a real fucking. I mean, he's got. I mean, he's really Zazzles. <laughs> Zots. Dots. Razzles. Razzies. Bubble tape. Runts. Runts. He's got he's got a big fucking you ever you ever go to an old navy? (laughs) Runts. Runts. Take a bite of runts. I'm a gruff the candy dog. Oh, I gotta get to the toilet. I got the runts. You ever go to an old navy? Uh and they got a, I've been to I've been to an old they navy. They got a quarter machine, one of those quarter candy machines, and it's just loose runts in a quarter machine. <laughs> you, ever, you ever go there? You ever get those as a kid? You just fucking put the quarters in and just loose runts just come out and you're just like, yeah. where am I supposed to collect all these? 
used to like to get those with my grandparents at uh, Fazoli's. Oh, oh my god, <laughs> that or uh, loose spree too. Yeah, loose spree, loose runts and loose spree. That's all. Bottle caps. And sometimes, if you're lucky, loose M and M's. Well, those melt in your mouth, not your hand, of course. Until they they end up melting in your fucking hands, anyway. Right. Yeah. Until that goddamn like, liars the color comes off on your fingers. Fucking liars. Just loose. The chocolate doesn't melt. Loose though. runts. Loose runts. Loose spree. Oh god, loose runts. Uh, hi everybody. We're loose. We're loose runts. Can we get a suggestion of anything at all, please? Hey everybody, we're loose runts. <laughs> get a suggestion of anything at all. <laughs> Oh God! Um, hey everybody, we're loose runts. We'll do anything for a quarter. What's something you've done that's weird? <laughs> well, anyway, that's right, apparently is, what Mr. Bunker. All right, so that's what Mr. Bunker has been using. Baseball, yeah, for the four people who did uh, comedic improv in their lives. Yeah, yeah if you. Uh, if you want to, if you if you're an improviser and you want to send us your suggestion for any of those openings, feel free. Yeah. Um, that's what he's using that fucking Sasquatch for for now. I mean, he taxidermied yeah. it. He's made a little fucking friend out of it. So, yeah. So, I guess he's he's got a companion now. Great. Who knows what he'll do with his dark magic and other powers that he has? I mean, he famously has brought on you know homunculuses and uh, flesh golems. Um, and other things mm-hmm. to capture us. So, um, yeah, yeah, we don't know how he taxidermied the Sasquatch. So, you know, my bet is I think we talked about this is a reanimated Sasquatch. Yeah, a la the mountain from the Game of Thrones TV right. show, and presumably from the book, and also the board games. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of Game of Thrones merchandise. Um. Yeah. Well. Anyway, that's Mr. Bunker this week. That's his sighting. And um, if you have seen Mr. Bunker, or have a bunker sighting, want to send it into us again, Mr. Bunker Pod at gmail dot com or Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Bunker Pod. You can find all of our social media links in the show notes. Um. Now, Andy, it's time for a bunker alarm. Oh, baby! And uh, we got a new bunker alarm recipient. This week, it is uh, a longtime listener and follower, longtime listener, and Instagram first time alarmer, first time alarmer, Instagram liker, Ryan eight six two zero one. Ooh, Ryan wrote in and said, "Is where's is this my? A, is this a, some sort of AI computer? <laughs> I don't know. Or a clone? <laughs> I mean, their profile picture is of Batman. So this could be Batman. Mm. Mm, okay." Where's my, where's the bunker alarm? Where's the bunker alarm? Joker. Rachel. Rachel. Don't set off the bunker alarm yet. (laughs) Ryan wrote in and said, where's my bunker alarms, you chads? Well, Ryan, here it is. I mean, all you had to do was fucking ask. That's, I I mean, bunkfuckers, we've been telling you, it's that easy. It's that simple. It really is. It's that easy. It's that cheesy. Crunchitize me, Captain. Um... I don't know why I said that. Anyway, so... Captain Crunch, <laughs> both original Crunch Berries, peanut butter. And oops, uh, he's all got... berries. So sexy. <laughs> oops. <laughs> oops, all like, runs. Like, Cap, like Captain Crunch is bent over and you can see he's not wearing anything under <laughs> his uh, 
captain's yeah. jacket. Oops, it's all berries. Let me just pick them up off the floor. It's just fucking spread eagle. Oops, it's my berries. <laughs> Runts. Um. Runts. Oops, it's all runts. <laughs> Oops, loose runts. <laughs> so anyway, Ryan. Ryan. <laughs> Ryan is going to be the recipient of a brand new bunk alarm. This is a piece of bunk tech technology that plays a completely synchronized audio message or sound. Uh, Andy is going to cue it up. He's going to calibrate the machinery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just going to I'm just going to bring up the uh the sound here. Apparently Andy has submerged the bunker alarm into a uh, tank of water. Look, it's a it's a it's a it's an alcohol solution that makes the bunker alarm run really efficiently. Okay. Uh we're ready to right. go. Oh, here we go. Here's a bunker right, alarm uh, for Ryan 86201. Thank you, Ryan. Ryan, thanks, Ryan. Uh, thank you for being a loyal bunk funker, Ryan86201. Um, now we will do the customary countdown before I activate the bunker <laughs> alarm. Uh, bunker alarm commencing in three, two, one. Ryan. Thanks, oh. Ryan. <laughs> Thank you, Ryan. Wow. Perfectly synced. Uh, I mean, my God, the Bunk Tech Bunker Alarm. What an incredible piece of it's technology. It's great. I mean, it's perfect in every way, and it's never failed. It's so much better since I put it in that vat of carbolic acid. That's... <laughs> Luckily, it wasn't train bolic acid or plain on bolic acid. <laughs> Yeah, it would have flown out of here. That's right. And hey, Andy, it looks like maybe we got to fly out of here. You know what I'm saying? Fly me. Uh, wait. Um, south of the border, down Mexico way. That's right, because we have to bring you the whole enchilada on the Crystal Skull of Doom and all the other Crystal Skulls yeah. this week on Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. yeah, 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 yeah. That was a laughing skull. Art, today we're chipping away at the mystery of the crystal skulls. Crystal skulls, what is that? Like some kind of girl group from the 60s? No! Arthur, the ancient and famous crystal skulls are skulls made out of crystal. Quartz crystal. Quartz crystal? The pornographic actress? <sighs> okay. Let me explain this in a way I think you'll understand. Do you know who Indiana Jones is? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That dude hates snakes. Mm-hmm. But wow, such a great teacher. I mean, I wish I could have been one of his classes. You know what I'm saying? How would your grade even work? He's never there. You know what I'm saying? Gotta be an easy A. All right. Well, (laughs) yeah. That very same Indiana Jones was in a movie in 2008 called Indiana Jones 
and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. In this movie, Indy gets kidnapped in Mexico by the Soviets, who take him to Area 51 to find a mummified corpse from the Roswell incident, which Indy helped investigate. Local greaser Mutt Williams clues Indy into a crystal skull found in Peru, which indirectly led to Mutt's mom getting kidnapped. So Indy and Mutt go to Peru, find the skull, then get captured by, guess who? The Soviets, and are taken to a camp in the Amazon. They escape to Akator, a mythical city, where they find a temple filled with all kinds of historical artifacts collected by ancient astronaut ETs. They find 13 crystal skeletons, one of which has a missing skull. When the missing skull arrives, the skull telepathically opens a portal to another dimension and confers so much knowledge on the Soviet Kate Blanchett that she disintegrates and gets sucked off into a portal. Eventually, Akator comes to ruin as a flying saucer rises from under the city and flies away. Uh, oh yeah, and it turns out that Mutt was Indy's son all along. <laughs> Honestly, Bunkfunkers, I love this movie. Not because it's a great movie. It's not. And not because it's a key piece of Indiana Jones lore. It's not. I love this movie because I also dream of exploring for treasure in the rainforest of South America with Shia LaBeouf. The real treasure is either the love we find between us and or the sex we have along the way. I mean, Art, come on. His last name is Beef. Wow. What a neat little fantasy you have there, Andy. Uh, Congratulations. Well, since it involves Shia LaBeouf, uh, you know, I'm not surprised that it essentially just copies already existing intellectual property. <laughs> <laughs> oh, got him. got him. Anyway, that synopsis was actually pretty helpful. Now I get it, Andy. Crystal skulls. Why didn't you just say so? Skulls made of crystal. Come on. As it turns out, crystal skulls aren't just plot devices in big, big budget Hollywood films. They really do exist. Legend has it that there are 13 ancient crystal skulls spread across the globe. Eight of the skulls have been found and are in possession of museums or, you know, private individuals, but five of the skulls are still missing. Now, if you go online and look for crystal skulls, you'll find way more than five. You know, you'll you'll find more than eight. Heck, you'll find a lot more than 13. I mean, the thing is, most of those skulls are, well, they're replicas. They're modern-day, uh, you know, creations or recreations. The 13 ancient skulls, though? Huh, they're real-deal money, baby. And these skulls are powerful, you know? Uh, they're not just for show. You know, here's a collection of claims made about the crystal skulls. One is that they have healing abilities. Two, they can be used for scrying purposes. That is, uh, you know, seeing into the past, the present, and or the future. You know, like a crystal ball, but... A crystal skull. They're used to hold information or knowledge, even storing more information than modern day computers. And it's even claimed that a crystal skull can facilitate the transfer of knowledge between two different people. If a person dies while touching the skull and another person is also touching the skull, the living person can absorb all the knowledge of the dead person as it transfers through the skull. Now, there's something to keep in mind if you want to know someone's secrets. Just in, you know, invite them over to your house and have them touch your crystal skull while you also touch your crystal skull. You know, sure. You could be in a hot tub if you want. I mean, that's fine. Then you kill them. Now you have all the secrets. And if you'd like to learn more, 
All you have to do is check out my new website, www.crystalskullsmurdersecrets.porn. <laughs> Great URL. Well, I mean, I, gotta, I had to spring from one of those new uh, TDLRs or whatever they're called, TLRs. Yeah, so uh, worth, worth the money. You know, I just had to make, I just had to, you know, I think it just clearly dot porn. You know what you're getting. Right. Yeah. It's hot stuff. Anyway, yeah. uh, <laughs> so these skulls sound pretty great so far, wouldn't you say, Andy? <clears throat> oh, yeah. These sound great. I'm going to go on to Crystal Skull Myrtle Secrets dot porn and check, check <laughs> them you. out. But they get even better, Andy. They can also emit light. They can predict disasters by sweating, much like you, Andy. And uh, right. they can be used to kill people. <laughs> and we're not talking about just, you know, bludgeoning someone to death in a hot tub with a crystal skull here, which, you know, you might find on a certain website, uh, even though that's a perfectly, you know, cromulent way to commit murder. Um, you can essentially ask the skull to kill someone and then that person will meet their end. Uh, you know, you don't even have to lift a finger or fire up the old hot tub. Of course, unless you want to. Right. Of course. Aside from all these powers, the skulls may also be the key to preventing the end of the world. The 13 skulls were supposed to be activated on December 21st, 2012, which was, of course, the famous end of the prior Mayan um, Baktun calendar cycle, suspected of being the potential date of the apocalypse and spawning the Oscar-snubbed film 2012 with John Cusack. It seems like the skulls weren't activated and... The world didn't not end because of their powers, but maybe they'll be needed to prevent a coming apocalypse. It's got to happen sometime. I mean, you know, so these, <laughs> you know, these skulls are these skulls are pretty cool. But guess what? They might also be cursed. Urgh, there's always a catch. Oh, boy. Are these skulls are something else? I'll tell you what. Now. From where would things such as these come? Frankly, there's some differing opinions about the origins of the skulls. Regardless of the real origin of the skulls themselves, they are closely associated with ancient peoples living in what's now called the Americas. Peoples like the Mayans, the Aztecs, and the Navajo. So Now, some people say that these ancient peoples crafted the skulls over long periods of time, maybe even over multiple generations, by tenderly, slowly rubbing them. Ooh, in a hot tub? Well, Art, I can't verify that exactly, so we just have to assume the answer is yes, until it's proven that ancient Native American peoples did not rub their crystals together in hot tubs. Now, like we said, opinions on where the skulls come from are divided. Some people believe they were crafted by ancient artisans, but some think the skulls were given to ancient peoples by extraterrestrials. According to comedian Dan Aykroyd, and he's not joking about this, okay? The Navajo believed the crystal skulls came from the so-called star people who were the creators of the earth. Yet another Native American legend says that there are 13 occupied planets in our solar system, uh... Paging Zechariah Sitchin, am I right, folks? Huh? Okay. Is this thing on? Okay. At any rate, the legend says there is one skull for each planet. Keeping it in our solar system, let's talk about Richard Hoagland's hypothesis. Hoagland is a somewhat prominent astronomical conspiracy theorist and former NASA employee. 
Hoagland believes that the crystal skulls were created in a zero-gravity environment. He says that NASA determined the best place to grow crystals is in space, in low gravity. Further, Hoagland believes that an ancient civilization from inside our solar system may have left a bunch of artifacts on the moon. Artifacts made of crystal! Just for reference, this ancient civilization is the same one that left these so-called face and pyramids on the surface of Mars. In the interest of full disclosure, Richard Hoagland is possibly the most prominent purveyor of the hypothesis that an ancient intrasolar civilization left behind those features on the Martian surface. So it's kind of not surprising that he would try to tie the crystal skulls back to his own brand of conspiracy. At any rate, Hoagland also says that astronauts visiting the moon might have found a robotic head that contained a bunch of information from this ancient planet-hopping civilization, which they brought back to Earth. And who knows what NASA found in that robot's brain? Now, if you don't like the Richard Hoagland version of E.T.'s making the crystal skulls, try this one on for size. Jop Van Etten, a self-described metaphysical ecologist, believes that the E.T.'s came to Earth and left the skulls at the intersections of what he calls vortex lines, uh, which uh, Van Etten says are places where there's strong gravitational energy. Uh, these are places like Stonehenge or Giza. The skulls were placed at these specific locations, but then were scattered all over the globe. And that's why some remain lost to this day. Another possible ET hypothesis comes from a descendant of real-life Mayans. Leonardo Acul says that there's a Mayan legend in which the gods, who are possibly interdimensional ETs, descend from the sky and hand over crystal skulls containing vast knowledge to humans. According to legend, through rituals and prayer, the Maya were able to access the knowledge which taught them how to construct the other 12 skulls. And now we're bringing it all back home to Earth. There are some who believe that the skulls originated in the lost land of Atlantis, the fabled advanced civilization brought to ruin by being sunk into the sea after a series of catastrophes. The Atlantis hypothesis proposes, proposes that the skulls were created there, then were smuggled out by survivors of the destruction. The Atlantean castaways washed ashore in the Americas, leaving the crystal skulls in the possession of ancient Mesoamerican peoples. One person who was a uh, proponent of this hypothesis was a guy by the name of Frederick Albert, or F.A. Mitchell Hedges. Even though George Lucas and Steven Spielberg, respectively the creator and director of the Indiana Jones movies, deny it, some people believe F.A. Mitchell Hedges was the true inspiration for the character Indiana Jones. And that makes sense because, you know, F.A. was kind of like a real-life Indiana Jones. Not because he's Shia LaBeouf's father, but because he was an artifact-hunting adventurer. F.A. quit school at 16 and promptly went to Norway for three weeks to explore. And that exploring spirit uh, stuck with him as he began to travel extensively in the Americas, hunting for remnants of the lost Atlantean civilization. But look, F.A. wasn't just a hogged-out adventurer. He was also a father. F.A. and his wife adopted a Canadian orphan, Anne-Marie Le Guillon, who went by Anna Mitchell Hedges after her adoption. F.A. and Anna were together exploring the Maya ruins at Lubatun uh, in what was then called British Honduras, which is modern-day Belize. They were, of course, looking for Atlantean artifacts, and maybe... They found one. So the story goes like this. 
It was January 1st, 1924, and F.A. and Anna were climbing up the side of a ruined Mayan temple when Anna saw something shining from inside the temple. Anna told F.A., and F.A. asked the rest of their party, which included the grandfather of Leonardo Acul and the Maya descendant we mentioned earlier. F.A. asked the rest of the party to clear stones from the top of the temple, you know, possibly with dynamite, so that Anna could investigate further. What she discovered was none other than a crystal skull. That crystal skull has gone on to become one of the most famous of all the crystal skulls. Now known as the Mitchell Hedges skull, this skull is unique, even among the exceptionally rare ancient crystal skulls. It has a detachable lower jaw piece, which is the only one like it, as far as we know. And this skull is allegedly the most powerful of all the known ancient crystal skulls. According to F.A., the skull was, quote, at least 3,600 years old, and according to legend, it was used by the high priest of the Maya when he was performing esoteric rites. It is said that when he willed death with the help of the skull, death invariably followed, end quote. This reputation for willing death on others gave the skull a kick-ass nickname, the Skull of Doom. Anna Mitchell Hedges even said she used the skull to kill somebody. She confessed to murder. She did. <laughs> she's a murderer. Yeah. Uh, but she's dead now. But yeah. this skull wasn't just about taking lives. According to Anna, who became the caretaker of the skull after F.A. passed away in 1959, the skull also had healing powers, being able to cure blindness and cancer. And Anna has attributed a variety of other qualities to the skull, like the aforementioned sweating to warn of disasters and that she foresaw U.S. President John F. Kennedy's assassination in the skull. I mean, who knows? Maybe what Anna Mitchell Hedges saw in the skull was a version of herself using the skull's magic properties to kill the president. We just don't know. All we know is that Anna Mitchell Hedges is a confessed murderer who escaped justice her entire life. She also did nothing to stop Kennedy's assassination. (laughs) Murderer by omission. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. Oh, boy. But another thing we know is that Anna was not content to let this skull just be a legend. She wanted to get some crystal hard facts to support the mystical powers of the skull. That's why, in the 1970s, Anna loaned the skull to Frank Dorlin, an art restorer, to examine it. Dorlin determined that the skull could not have been made by the technology available at the time and showed no evidence of modern machining, with the exception of grind marks on the skull's teeth. Rather, Dorland said the skull had to have been worn down over the course of up to 300 years by polishing with sand. Dorland estimated the age of the skull was upwards of 12,000 years old. Dorland also took the skull to Hewlett-Packard's Crystal Lab, where some tests were run. The Hewlett-Packard eggheads submerged the skull in a special alcohol solution that was the same gravity as the skull. The scientists found that the skull and the jawpiece were both made from the same crystal. They also shined lasers into the skull and found that there are special light wells built into the skull to direct light to the eye sockets. What a mysterious skull, huh? Sure is, Andy, but remember, it's not the only skull out there. There's the the Paris skull, which is part of a collection at the Musée du Quai-Branly. Jacques Chirac. (laughs) 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 
The skull was donated to a French museum in 1878 by Alphonse Pinart, another person who extensively explored the Americas and who was a substantial collector of Mesoamerican artifacts. Allegedly, the Paris skull is of Aztec origin. Not to be outdone by the frickin' French, the Brits got their own skull in 1897 when the British Museum bought it from Tiffany & Co., the jewelers. The British skull very closely resembles the Mitchell Hedges skull, but has less detail and, of course, lacks a separate lower jaw piece. Then there's Max. Max is a crystal skull which was discovered in 1924 in a Mayan temple in Guatemala. Pretty similar to the Mitchell Hedges skull, actually. Uh, Maybe these skulls were pals. Now there's a movie for you, Hollywood. A buddy cop movie about two best friends who are also precog crystal skulls. That movie would also make a fucking assload of money. I mean, hello, Hollywood. Now, who am I kidding, Andy? Those fucking phonies in Hollywood would never make a movie that cool. Right. Whatever. They don't get it. Whatever. Anyway, Max's character, Joanne Parks, who says Max is um, is somewhere between 5,000 and 36,000 years old. A bit of a range. Uh, <laughs> Joanne says yeah. she came into possession of a Max, window <laughs> of Max after his previous caretaker, American Tibetan healer uh, Norbu Chin, uh, left Max to her before Chin passed away. Now, Chin had previously used Max to help treat Joanne's daughter's terminal bone cancer. When the treatments began, Joanne's daughter was told by doctors that she had three months left to live. Max was able to extend her life by another three years. Now, Aside from healing properties and abilities, uh, Max is also known to induce visions or psychic experiences in people. Joanne herself says that after she took possession of Max, she began to have dreams featuring the skull. One day, she put her hand on Max, and Max began to speak to her telepathically. Nowadays, Joanne tours the world with Max, giving lectures about what Max has taught her and allowing regular folks to experience Max's power just for themselves. Now, finally, then there's the uh, the skull held at the Smithsonian National Museum of Natural History in good old U.S. of A. In 1992, the Smithsonian got mailed an unsolicited donation of a large, I mean, we're talking 31 pounds crystal skull, which came with an unsigned note, which read, this Aztec crystal skull, purported to be one of the Porfirio Diaz collection, was purchased in Mexico in 1960. I am offering it to the Smithsonian without consideration. End quote. Oh, I get it. The skull's power is being able to mail itself places and compose notes. Which, you know, not quite as cool as predicting things or telepathy or killing people like Anna Mitchell Hedges did. But I guess it's uh, pretty impressive for a skull made out of quartz. You know, whatever. Well, hold your package here, Art, because there's more to this story. Uh, This skull came under the care of Smithsonian archaeologist Jane McLaren Walsh. Walsh soon set to work analyzing the skull, believing it to be an incredible Mesoamerican artifact find, if it was genuine. Now, I'm sure from the way I said that, you can probably guess we're headed into Skeptic Land now, which is a pretty unexciting theme park. Let's be honest. At any rate... In search of the provenance of this mystery skull, Walsh began to unravel what she believes is the true history of the crystal skulls. 
Walsh noticed that the Smithsonian skull, as well as other crystal skulls in museums, don't share a lot of similarities with genuine ancient Mesoamerican, uh, which we might call pre-Columbian uh, also, that's uh, before Christopher Columbus's arrival in the Americas. Uh, these The crystal skulls don't share uh, ancient Mesoamerican uh, representations of skulls, uh, which was actually an important part of Mesoamerican iconography. Speaking with representatives from other museums displaying crystal skulls, Walsh also found that none of the skulls on display could be traced back to documented excavations of ancient sites. The only evidence that the skulls actually came from ancient Mesoamerican ruins came in the form of the stories told by the folks who donated the objects to the museums. So Walsh dug in and developed a scientific timeline of the skulls. Walsh found, as we've already stated, that crystal skulls first started popping up in museums in the latter half of the 19th century. According to Walsh, at that time, there had been no scientific archaeological excavations in Mexico, and not much was known about pre-Columbian artifacts. At the same time, making fakes of pre-Columbian artifacts was big business. According to Walsh, a Smithsonian archaeologist named W.H. Holmes went to Mexico City in 1884, finding fake artifacts all over the place. Holmes even wrote about his experience in Science Magazine in a piece titled, quote, The Trade in Spurious Mexican Antiquities. End quote. Holmes begins the piece by describing the time as, quote, a museum-making era, end quote, which Holmes says created great demand for artifacts, which therefore bred lots of people making fakes. Holmes believed that most of the fakes would eventually be found out, but not before they influenced literature and the public consciousness, which Holmes point out, points out, quote, is most difficult to eradicate, end quote. So with that in mind, Jane McLaren Walsh further found that the first crystal skulls appeared in Mexico right before Napoleon's nephew, Napoleon III, invaded Mexico. And I'm, of course, handling this part of the story so that Andy doesn't get carried away. Uh, yeah, but Art, but Art, did you know that Napoleon III was the first president of France and the last monarch of France? And that the Mexican intervention was a huge failure? All right, all right, all right. That's enough out of you, wise guy. Oh, come on. <laughs> You're going to be sleeping with the fishes. Oh, mamma mia. Sorry about him, bunkfuckers. He has no self-control. Now, back to Crystal Skulls, which is our topic today, Andy. <laughs> Napoleon. Now, the Crystal Skulls were found, um, you know, around this time, and this is the early 1860s, and they were small. The famous Crystal Skulls are much larger, and the size of, you know, real human skulls are even larger. Walsh believes that the earliest small skull in a museum is at the British Museum, which was first acquired in 1856 by a British banker. Now, just to be clear, this is not the same skull in the British Museum that we've already mentioned. In 1867, two more small crystal skulls were shown at the Exposition, Exposition Universelle in, uh, in Paris. These skulls were exhibited by a guy named Eugene Boban. As it turns out, Boban is actually a big part of the scientific history of the Crystal Skulls. Boban was a French guy who was the official archaeologist of the Napoleonic government in Mexico. Boban arrived in Mexico in 1857, you know, right 
around the time that the Crystal Skull started to show up. The 1867 exposition was held to showcase the archaeological work Boban had done in Mexico. Then in 1886, Walsh says the, the Smithsonian itself purchased a small crystal skull from another member of the Napoleonic government in Mexico. The skull disappeared from the museum, but, you know, had been on display and was an archaeological fake after a Smithsonian scientist determined in the 1950s that the skull was not really ancient, showing evidence of more modern machining. Now, Walsh says that these early small skulls are similar in that they are, again, small. You know, I mean, we're talking like they're like an inch tall here and that they all have been drilled through from, uh, you know, top to bottom. Walsh says that the drilling might actually be, you know, authentic pre-Columbian work. She says the skulls might have started as crystal beads, um, you know, actually crafted by ancient people, which were then shaped to look like skulls in the 19th century to make them, you know, more appealing to European buyers. Apparently, skeletons and skulls were a popular artistic representation in Europe during the period. So these skulls were in the fashion zeitgeist. They were also in the antique shops of Eugene Boban. Boban came back to France in the 1870s and sold a bunch of his collection of stuff from Mexico to Al Alphonse Pinart. You remember him. He's the guy who donated the large Paris skull, which now sits at the Musée du Quai Jacques Chirac. Well, apparently, Pinart's donation included two other crystal skulls, which were of the small variety. Walsh found that Boban got the bigger skull after he returned to France. The Paris skull is about four inches tall and, like the smaller skulls, has a vertical drill hole. In 1881, Boban uh, published a catalog which included an even larger life-size crystal skull which did not have a drill hole. The catalog did not list a location where the skull was obtained and was not included as part of the listed uh, Mexican artifacts. So the catalog had a section of Mexican artifacts. The skull was not in that section. According to Walsh, Boban referred to the skull as a, quote, masterpiece of crystal working technology. Nevertheless, Boban couldn't get anyone to buy this dang skull. So he packed up the skull and went back to Mexico in 1885. Boban opened a shop in Mexico City, the Museo Scientifico, and put the skull out for display along with actual human skulls. Uh, Boban tried to sell the skull to the Mexican National Museum, but they wouldn't buy it because they thought it was a fake. Having no luck in Mexico, Boban moved to New York City, USA in 1886, where he set up shop and ended up auctioning off a pretty sizable collection of artifacts, literature, and books. Tiffany & Co., the jewelers, bought the crystal skull at the auction. As we already know, this is the larger skull the British Museum purchased, which is still in its collection. As a fun side note, Walsh found that the catalog Boban created for the auction in New York City lists another smaller crystal skull, which was accompanied by a crystal hand. Boban listed the skull as being from, quote, from the quote-unquote Valley of Mexico, and the hand as being Aztec. It's not known where this skull and hand combo are today. So after this, the uh, crystal skull history trail kind of goes cold for a little while. Walsh found that another crop of crystal skulls began to appear in the early 20th century. 
1934, a British art and antique dealer named Sidney Burney uh, bought a crystal skull of unknown origins. Um, this skull is interesting because it's almost an exact copy of the skull in the British Museum, except it's a bit more detailed in the eyes and teeth and unique among crystal skulls. It has a removable lower jawbone. Now, hang on. Wait a minute. This sounds a lot like the Mitchell Hedges skull, Andy. <laughs> well, Art, funny you should mention that because... Walsh found that Sidney Burney's son put the skull up for auction at Sotheby's in 1943, where it was purchased by one Frederick Arthur Mitchell Hedges. Now, obviously, this contradicts the stories told by F.A. and Anna. One thing to note in this case is that Anna claimed the skull was discovered in 1924, or 1925, or 1927. To be honest, her story wasn't always totally consistent in that respect. But F.A. makes no mention of the skull at all until his memoir, Danger My Ally, was released in 1954. This seems strange for a guy who was quick to crow about his adventures. He even had his own radio program in the 1930s where he told tales of his travels. A skull of doom seems like good fodder for a program like that, and yet he didn't bring it up. Another interesting note, uh, F.A. wrote the following to his brother in a letter dated December 1943. Quote, The collection grows and grows and grows. You, prob you possibly saw in the papers that I acquired that amazing crystal skull that was formerly in the Sidney Burney collection. End quote. As for the Mitchell Hedges skull's similarity to the British Museum skull, Walsh believes the Mitchell Hedges skull is likely a more modern copy of the British Museum skull. Even in 1936, the similarities were noticed between the two, and it was debated if both skulls were modeled after the same original skull. Now let's fast forward just a bit to 1960, which is the alleged purchase date of the skull that was mailed anonymously to the Smithsonian. As we've mentioned, uh, the Smithsonian skull is really big, <laughs> much bigger than the other crystal skulls, in museums. Walsh believes the skull was actually made in Mexico, but probably not very long before it was sold in uh, 1960. So just to kind of put this all together, here's a condensed version of Walsh's timeline of the skulls, just for the review. Uh, that's going to be our, our blockbuster movie, Timeline of the Skulls. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Art, Art Deanna Jones and the timeline of the skulls. <laughs> it's about a very boring archaeologist who rarely <laughs> wants to leave the comfort of his home. Just, just a regular archaeologist who mostly studies primary sources uh, from the comforts of a computer. <laughs> but here's Walsh's timeline of the skulls. One, uh, the small skulls that appeared in the late 19th century were made in Mexico somewhere between 1856 and 1880. You know, maybe they were the work of one person or, you know, one shop or something. Again, these were likely crafted into skulls using modern tools to reshape actual quartz beads worn by ancient Mesoamericans. Walsh calls these the, quote, first-generation skulls. Two, Walsh sees the Paris skull, again appearing in 1878, as between the first and second generation skulls, as it is larger than the first generation, you know, too large to really be worn as like a piece of jewelry, but still has, you know, a vertical drill hole. 
three, the second generation, quote unquote, is represented by the British Museum skull, a large skull without a drill hole. Walsh believes both this skull and the Paris skull are possibly European creations, since they're not directly connected to Mexico at all, except through Boban. That said, the skulls didn't show up, um, the skulls don't show up in his collection until years after he's been back in Europe. So it's seemingly, you know, it seems unlikely that he actually acquired these in Mexico. Um, Four, the third generation is the Mitchell Hedges skull. It's basically a tricked out copy of the second generation skull. And finally, the Smithsonian skull is the fourth generation, a bigger, badder crystal skull. Now, Andy, you're a bit of a drill hole. Can you tell us why Walsh believes these skulls are a more modern creation and not something created by actual ancient people? Hmm. You know, of all the times I've been called a word, followed by the word hole, this is the first time the first word has been drill. Never been called a drill hole before. But okay, I'll talk about the investigative efforts. So, Walsh looked into the tools available to ancient Mesoamerican people to work quartz, which is a relatively hard mineral, coming in at a 7 on the Mohs scale of hardness. <sighs> what I wouldn't give to rate 7 on any hardness scale. God. Lucky fucking quartz. Anyway, Walsh found that the tools available in ancient Mesoamerican cultures would have been things like a wood and rope device used to spin a wooden rod tipped with stone called pump drill. They may may also have used abrasive sands or crushed stone to help shape the crystal. Anytime you use a tool on a piece of crystal, it leaves behind some evidence of the tool. The marks left behind by pump drills, for example, are much different than the marks left behind by more modern rotary wheels. Walsh took the Smithsonian skull to London, to the British Museum, where she worked with a colleague at that museum, Margaret Sachs, to analyze both the Smithsonian and British Museum skulls. In both cases, the skulls were found to have evidence of machine working not available to pre-Columbian people, specifically a rotary wheel. The Smithsonian skull also showed evidence it had been worked with carborundum, carborundum, uh, an abrasive not available before the late 19th century. Walsh was even able to examine the Mitchell Hedges skull in 2007 and 2008, running a battery of tests on the skull. The testing showed evidence that the Mitchell Hedges skull had also been worked using a rotary tool coated with an abrasive such as diamond. The evidence led Walsh to believe the Mitchell Hedges skull was carved sometime in the 1930s. In addition to this evidence, the Musée de Quabranly Jacques Chirac ran tests on its own skull from 2007 to 2009. These studies showed evidence of modern toolworking and abrasives, traces of water, which dated to the 19th century, and that the Paris skull was not as old as a reference quartz specimen cut in, in 1740. This all led the museum to declare that the skull was not a genuine pre-Columbian artifact and that it was probably made in the 19th century. If you're thinking that this is all pretty damning evidence for the legendary history of the skulls, well, most scientists would probably agree with you. But true believers in the skulls are not deterred. Believers can justify the evidence of more modern toolworking by bringing up the legends that native peoples, 
indicate that the skulls were gifts from the gods, who were possibly extraterrestrials. And so it's, it's not so strange to think about an advanced race of ETs being able to work crystal in a modern way, right? Even in the very ancient past. Heck, you know, maybe these skulls were even fashioned on another planet using tools we can't even comprehend. About those legends, though, uh, historians really don't think they're ancient either. Historians believe that most of the crystal skull legends now associated with Native Americans were really started by F.A. and Anna Mitchell Hedges and taken up by New Age writers. So it's possible that modern descendants of ancient peoples now have these legends. But scholars don't see them as genuine myths passed down from the pre-Columbian times. That said, it is true that skulls were important symbols in pre-Columbian Mesoamerican cultures. But again, as Walsh points out, the crystal skulls don't really resemble the skulls represented by the actual ancient Mesoamerican people. According to Walsh, the Aztec and Toltec people generally carved skulls or, you know, death heads from basalt, uh, sometimes covered in stucco, but, you know, likely always painted. Walsh also describes them thusly, quote, They are comparatively crudely carved, but are more naturalistic than the crystal skulls, particularly in the depiction of the teeth, end quote. Walsh also points out that the Aztecs didn't wear crystal skulls around their necks, but took the real skulls of human sacrifice victims and put them on racks, running spikes through the temples. Yeah. Sorry. Got a little charged up there. <laughs> Walsh says the Mixtec sometimes, um, you know, made skulls from gold, but the skulls had intact facial features. So they're basically just kind of like skull-ish faces. The Maya also used images of skulls, but they were typically, you know, skulls in profile, carved onto limestone in relief. In addition to all this, there are also, um, there, there, there are just some other points to note, right? Specifically about the Mitchell Hedges skull. The tests run at Hewlett-Packard really only showed that the skull was genuine quartz and was made from one single quartz crystal. Hewitt-Packard dipped the skull into a benzyl alcohol solution, which is kind of a neat way to determine if the skull is actually quartz, because this works, um, this works because benzyl alcohol and quartz both refract light in the same kind of way. So if you submerge quartz in benzyl alcohol, it becomes nearly invisible. We're, we're not sure what it means when David Childress says the solution was the same gravity as the skull, but we are sure we like hearing him say it. <laughs> oh, yeah. He could say that all night long. As part of the National Geographic documentary, a forensic artist did a facial reconstruction on a replica of the Mitchell Hedges skull. The results revealed a European face, not the Native American features. Um, some, Since some people believe the crystal skulls were crafted using a real human skull as a model, it then seems reasonable to suggest that the skulls were crafted in Europe and not in the Americas. Whatever your beliefs about the crystal skulls, you have to admit they've achieved a pretty big cultural status. These skulls have been captivating imaginations since they first appeared in the public consciousness. Despite scholarly findings indicating that these skulls aren't genuine articles, they continue to fascinate people who feel there's more to these skulls than meets the eye socket. At the end of the day, there's really only one thing of Mexican origin in this story that we can verify is real, and that's 
the whole enchilada. Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast will be right back after this brief message. Hey, Bunk Bunkers, this is Art. I'm here with Andy. We just wanted to let you know we recently launched a Patreon page. So if you feel like supporting the show, you can find it at patreon.com slash Mr. Bunker pod. Becoming a supporter will get you one extra podcast a month of our brand spanking new podcast, Indian Art Debunked, available only on Patreon. Not only that, you'll get a lot more fun perks at each tier. So visit us at patreon.com slash Mr. Bunker Pod. That's patreon.com slash Mr. Bunker Pod. Hey, welcome back, Bunk Funkers. That was our research of the Crystal Skulls. Oh, man. Do you remember, uh, oh, gosh, this has been maybe 15 years ago when the biggest thing on the earth to do was if you were having a bottle of water, (laughs) you crack open a little envelope of Crystal Skull (laughs) and you dump it in Uh. there and your water tastes so much like fruit. That's right. I've only had... um, Crystal light skulls, but I've never, I don't think I was allowed to have the full crystal skulls. Oh, no, you got to get the full sugar crystal skull. (laughs) I'm glad that we both wrote that down. We both had jokes (laughs) relating to crystal (laughs) and crystal light and skull and stupid powder packets. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, Oops. I didn't mean to preempt you there. Didn't know you had that. Well, I mean, that's okay, Andy. I mean, it just it just shows the bunk funkers that we're both complete other hacks. (laughs) Yeah. And that we both have like crystal skull brains because we're on the same wavelength. Yeah, right. We're uh, telepathically sharing that joke with each other. And that's a doozy. Um. Andy, you a big fan of the crystal skulls or what's the deal? They're kind of neat. They're kind of neat. Yeah. I got to say, they look cool. They do look very nice. It's a very nice craftsmanship. Yeah, uh, they look cool. The Mitchell Hedges skull uh, is the coolest looking one. Yeah, yeah, I think that it, I I agree with that. I think that it's like, well, you know, it's it's very like highly polished. Oh, it's so fucking polished. It looks like one of those, uh, um, it, you, you know, when like you pass a statue that has a large bulge or um, like a toe. Or a nose or something, and like it becomes a thing to rub it, and then that part of the stone is oh, like yeah. way more polished <laughs> yeah. and brighter. I mean, if there's a statue with like a penis or like an exposed bulge, people over time will rub it. Yeah, yeah. I've been to Washington D.C. I've seen that <laughs> statue of FDR where his dick area is all uh, bronze, you know, right? Where it's all worn right. down. From people sitting on his lap and touching his Well, stick. I mean, when you see a statue, sometimes you can just get help it. You just got to rub it. <laughs> or hump yeah. it. But that's what the that's what these really polished sto- uh, skulls look like to me. You know what I'm saying? They look, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if they, like this was some work of iron that they put out yeah. and then people touched it so much that it. Oh, yeah. yeah, I get it. I get it. Um, 
I don't know. They kind of, they kind of have this. Um, they like looks looks skullish. Like it looks like a. It looks. I mean, you can tell that they was probably modeled after a real human. Oh, skull. it had to be. I mean, it had to be. All the crevices, the crevasses in there, and the different the, the bumps sh- yeah. of the skull, the ridges of the skull. Yeah. Oh yeah. They're very nice. Um, I would like to have some of them are. Uh, you what? maybe I'd like to own one one day. You want a crystal yeah, skull? I'll put a crystal skull, maybe. Yeah, you could go online. A little and get a creepy, skull. but you know, I'd like some of uh, Dan Aykroyd's crystal skull vodka. This episode brought to you by <laughs> okay, Dan Aykroyd's I'll... crystal skull vodka. Yeah, sponsor this podcast now. Uh, I'm going to get you a bottle for your birthday, <laughs> and for Christmas, oh, okay. and for your anniversary. <laughs> Wow. What am I going to do with three Crystal Skull Vodkas? Uh, I, I don't know. I guess you'll make a lot of uh, penne a la vodka. <laughs> so much vodka sauce pasta. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what could be Dan Aykroyd would be like, <laughs> I think he'd be pissed. If that's all you did with his vodka? <laughs> Use it to make vodka sauce. <laughs> Like it's a hey, the better the vodka, the better the it's sauce. A sipping sauce, uh, or it's a sip, it's a sipping sauce. It's a sipping vodka. Um, you know, we talked about this before already, but uh, they filter that stuff through diamonds. He does. He uses Herkimer diamonds, and uh, he filters it through diamonds. And he's very obsessed yeah, diamond with filtered. the fucking vodka. I mean, you don't normally think of vodka as a sipping drink. It's usually the drink relegated to. Um, High school frat parties that you uh, chase or mix with something, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, perhaps a very famous drink is uh, you do like maybe one part, usually some kind of cheap vodka like skull, not crystal skull, but just skull or, you know, something cheap. And then um, three parts orangina. Yeah. <laughs> knock, yeah. knock. <laughs> Who's there? Orangina. Orangina who? Orangina glad I didn't say banana. <laughs> Holy fuck. This is oh, a new low. <laughs> yeah, that was terrible. Knock, knock oh, jokes. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, God. I don't know. Maybe my Someone uh, needs to beat us to death with me. a fucking crystal skull. Yeah. <laughs> Someone call Anna. I know she's dead, but somebody raise her from the dead and use her to fucking kill us. Somebody contact her through the skull and have her haunt us. <laughs> Um, do you think you can pick up that removable jawbone like a receiver and just go hello <laughs> and somebody dead will answer you it's actually a fucking telephone that'd be dope oh my god <laughs> the whole time it was just an old phone Hewitt Packard's like oh fuck I guess we never noticed the wiring duh we're dumb <laughs> sorry we wondered what all that uh, what that rotary dial inside was <laughs> we couldn't figure oh, it wow. out Oh, well. Um, yeah, so, you know, this is a fun story. I like it. Um, I think it's it's very Indiana Jones-esque, right? Obviously, F.A. Mitchell Hedges is the inspiration for Indiana Jones. I mean, George Lucas is lying through his crystal teeth if he's going to tell me that, uh, you know, F.A. Mitchell Hedges isn't the inspiration for Indiana Jones. They're literally the same guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's got to be... I think there's, there's, I mean, it's like a lot of people suspect that. And then, of course, they're like, oh, no, that's a totally original creation. 
George Lucas thought this up in his bathtub <laughs> one night. Um, did you did you see that uh, Indiana Jones movie, The Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? Yeah, I saw it actually. Oh yeah, you fan? Uh, I saw it. I think at my parents' house on TV. Oh, so not in the th- not in the theaters. I actually saw it in theaters. Oh, you went into the theaters. Yeah, uh, and you asked me if I'm a fan of the movie. Mm-hmm. No, I didn't like it. <laughs> that was a bad movie. Yeah, it's pretty fucking bad. Yeah. It's pretty universally hated on all parts. Uh, it's, I mean, it's, South Park even did like a episode mocking. Yeah, yeah. And you George know, it's, I think it's Silver. especially bad when you consider like how enjoyable the other movies in that franchise are. Right. They're fun movies. Like they're not they're not perfect movies or anything, but like they're great. They're good popcorn action flicks. Yeah, exactly. And then you got this fucking <laughs> take these fucking alien crystals and it's a UFO and the terrible CGI and he's swinging from vines with monkeys. There's a scene where Shia LaBeouf is swinging from vines with monkeys. Yeah. It's very like Jungle Book. So fucking stupid. Yeah. It's a ba- it's a bad movie. And then it's like they went all in. It's like these aren't you know, these crystal skulls that we're talking about are like human crystal skulls. The right. skulls in that movie, if you haven't seen it, spoiler alert, are I guess we should have said that before we gave away the whole synopsis, so fuck it with the spoiler alert. But these uh these skulls are like elongated skulls. So if you've ever yeah. like seen an elongated skull, so they look kinda, like the aliens from yeah, Alien. Right, exactly. That's just what I was gonna say. So they're like long crystal skulls. So imagine it's like the middle of the this temple in Akator is just full of skeletons of the aliens from Alien made out of crystals. And then they put the th- the 13th skull in and then the whole thing collapses and the spaceship flies away. Is that the fucking movie where he hides in a uh, refrigerator from a nuclear blast? Yes, exactly. He uh, does that he ends fucking up... happen in that movie? Yeah, yeah. He he's like running away from the from the FBI or the Soviets, and he goes into a nuclear test range, <laughs> and he hides he hides from the blast in the refrigerator in the house there. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I don't know. Why don't would know. the refrigerator survive a nuclear blast? Yeah, I mean the only. I mean that's that's a well known fact that uh, in uh, that a refrigerator will survive nuclear bombing. They just don't make them like they used to. Huh? <laughs> oh, no, no, they do not. I farted well, on my refrigerator and it fell apart. Jeez Louise! <laughs> well, your your gas is is known to be twelve times a like atomic bomb. Well, in lethality, not in yes. blast power. They actually used your uh, farts as chemical weapons mm-hmm. in multiple wars and conflicts. Yes. You have deals with lots of different, uh, you know, uh, revolutionary groups or radical groups or guerrilla warfare groups mm-hmm. um, as a chemical weapons dealer. Right. And you mostly uh, bottle your farts and yeah, send them over. Yeah. Interpol wants me pretty bad. And uh, <laughs> I can't go to the Netherlands because they'll arrest me and take and me And Interpol wants you bad in the same way that the offspring want you bad, you know? <laughs> they, Interpol wants you all covered in tattoos. It wants you bad. Yeah. I mean, 
I am pretty fly for a white guy. Gotta admit. <laughs> it's true. You asked for a 13, but they drew a 31. Um, <laughs> and you have that as a face tattoo. Yeah, I do. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know why we went down that hole. Um, why not? F.A. Mitchell Hedges, fucking, he's a giga Chad. I mean, that's pretty <laughs> Chad. It's hard to be that Chad, you know? Yeah, yeah. Fucking I mean, just drop out of school at 16 and go explore the Arctic for like three years or whatever he did. Three you weeks. know, you know, I'm going to wonder, like, it kind of, it's kind of portrayed in some of the, like, research as him dropping out of school or, like, quitting school at 16. But I'm kind of like, okay, this would have been, like, the 1920s. Like, how long did he have to go to school in England at that time? Like, did you have to go till you were 18? I don't know. Like, maybe he was just done with school. You're getting hung up on the school part, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> just kind of ignoring the fact that he just went to explore the Arctic. But sure, sure, yeah. When Let's go look up the uh, the, uh, the legislation on... On on primary school and graduate schools here for uh, England in the 1920s. This is my penchant for pedantry. Uh, he was born right in that sweet spot where he didn't have to do anything in World War One or World War Two. Right, too too young for World War One and too old for World War Two. Yeah, that's lucky. Yeah, he bought that skull in 1943, which um, apparently like that was sort of a there was a lull in the Nazi attacks on London during that period. So oh. that's why, like, I guess some people must have said, Krieg. some people might have said, hey, it's pretty pretty weird that he would be buying a skull at an auction at this point. But I guess there was, like, a cessation in some of the, the bombing. So, <laughs> life- Well, the bombings have ceased, so um, we're going to store, we're going to have an auction, of course, first thing. Uh, come on down the Sooth and Bees. Uh, we've got skulls aplenty. <laughs> Anyone oh, who'd God. like a skull, please come to Sotheby's. 24th of June, like 1943. Or like a skull, please. Ah, uh, yes, Mr. Mitchell Hedges. He's <laughs> <laughs> got a thick Cockney accent. No, he was like, he was kind of a posh guy. Right, he was right. educated. Yes, his... Sounded uh, like this, then. What his, I think his father was a stockbroker, and he briefly was also a stockbroker. Wow. In his father's business. But yeah, he's got all those uh, like pictures and stuff of him like in exotic places, like shirtless but with a pipe in his mouth and stuff. Oh, yeah. He's always like thinking and staring off into the distance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, it is kind of romantic to think about just being kind of an explorer, but it is a romantic I, idea. I could never do it. No, I couldn't either. I'm, I get way too sweaty. Yeah, I mean, and I would be uncomfortable, and I'd be like, "Why in the fuck am I even doing this?" Um, you know, one of the things that I would, but you would about, love defacing mm-hmm. ancient cultures. <laughs> yeah, I would love to uh, <laughs> just completely disrespect uh, everything that ancient peoples built. Um, that, that's actually a good segue. Cause that's what I was going to say, Art, is that, you know, I, I, we mentioned the dynamiting in the, in the script, in the research. And that's, that's like what they say happened is that people like F.A. Mitchell Hedges would come in and they weren't scientists. They weren't trained archeologists. 
Right. So they would just kind of be like, well, fuck, we got to get inside this temple. Let's just blow it up. And they would just blow the tops off of these temples that were like, you know, ruined and sunk into the ground uh, and then just go in them that way rather than, you know, carefully excavating the site. So who knows what kind of treasures they ruined by blasting the tops off of these temples. (laughs) Yeah, they thought they were like sarcophagi, like they were like... uh... They thought they were like tombs, right? Even though that's not what the Mayan temples are, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, There's a lot of misconceptions, but, you know, like they said, there wasn't really a lot of um, scientific excavations that happened in Mexico until after after Mexico achieved independence. So, like, after they executed Maximilian and became an independent country, there wasn't a lot of... uh, there hadn't been a lot of like scientific work done within the, the country until after that. So probably a lot of this stuff wasn't that well understood at the time. Well, well I, mean, I mean, by the time still, F.A. Mitchell Hedges was there. Yeah, yeah. There's still a lot of mysteries. I mean, because the Maya, I mean, we have theories on why they disappeared. They're, they're a very interesting, um, interesting society. Culture. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, they were pretty, I mean, they were obviously very advanced astrologers and had a, strong grasp of the stars and calendars and time and shit. Yeah. Um, now the Aztecs were the ones who fucking like sacrificed people like clockwork. It was like, Hey, you want to go fucking want to go sacrifice some people? Yeah. Let's go yeah. to a sacrifice. You guys want to go? If I sacrifice, if I give it some sacrifices for the table, will you guys get some sacrifice? <laughs> if, no. if I do some sacrifice and people left, will you right, all dude. join me? I can't imagine what that was like, like walking into an ancient Aztec city and just the fucking like, just the, the, the river of blood running down the temples on a specific day where they're just sacrificing 10,000 prisoners of war, whatever they would have. Yeah. Um, ripping people. I mean, just it's crazy. I mean, there's that shitty Mel Gibson movie that kind of uh, is supposed to be like the end of the Mayan civilization, but they kind of pull things from the Aztecs. Like the Mayans weren't as into sacrifice. They did right. it. But it was like a special occasion. Yeah. Because in that movie, that Azteco or whatever, um, whatever movie that Mel Gibson movie was. Yeah, I can kind of remember. I mean, I didn't see it, but I can kind of remember like seeing trailers and stuff. Oh, yeah. They were like lining people up to to sacrifice those dudes' heads off. Yeah. But it, it did do an interesting job of like showing that like these ancient cultures had farming. They had like societies. They had big cities. They had... Social systems, caste systems, there were rich elites who wore uh, beautiful clothing and had specific uh, hairstyles and things. And there was, you know, a culture and yeah. stuff, you know, very interesting. So, uh, but it makes, it pisses off historians because that sh- that movie time jumps like crazy because the spoiler, I mean, I don't know, spoiler alert, it kind of ends with the uh, um. Spanish showing up or whatever. Yeah. The arrival of Europeans. Right. Which wouldn't have, which wouldn't have happened. Right. I don't think so. The Maya, the Maya and the Spanish didn't have a contact. I don't think. Um, I I guess I don't know for sure. Well, there's other theories on how they ended. Like they had, they, they didn't cultivate, they, they, did like too much uh, excavation of the natural resources and they kind of just starved to death or there was some kind of giant famine or uh, some kind yeah. of giant uh, 
disease that wiped them all out. So anyway. Yeah, a lot of a lot of hypotheses, but no like real definitive one. But who, I mean, who knows? It's probably one of those things where it was like a mix of factors that led to the right, people right, right. disappearing or like re maybe it's like a like a Roanoke thing where they just kind of like relocated other places and ended up like mingling with other uh, people. Right. I f- yeah, that's probably uh, that's probably what happened. Um, but I think you're right, though. Like the Spanish showed up and found these places deserted, right? I don't know. You're asking the wrong guy. Yeah. Because what I, I think, history. I mean, obviously the Aztecs, that that civilization ended because of Europeans. Right. Uh, that was like in the six, middle 16th century, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. So that would have been after European contact. Um. So anyway, crystal skulls. Um, oh, yeah, skulls. A lot of fun properties on these skulls, huh? Yeah, yeah, a lot of a lot of fun stuff that these skulls can do. Um, you know, I think the, I think probably the most prominent because like a lot of this stuff, not all of them do everything, right? You know, but I think that probably the top thing is healing powers. I think that's like healing and like energy affecting properties. We uh, we know somebody who. Uh used to do a bit about uh having healing crystals and enjoying mm-hmm. healing crystals right you know what um, I'm mentioning? yeah um i love there's the part in one of the one of the research links one of the it's it's a it's a youtube video that's like a 40 minute documentary from either national geographic or history channel or discovery one of the channels but they're doing a you know it's a it's a whole thing and um I fucking love it. They they go to the, uh, they bring the crystal skull to the uh, Chicago Body, Mind, and Spirit Expo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I just fucking love the idea of some fucking dude being like, <laughs> some fucking guy there being like, oh yeah, I'm hoping the crystal skull will help the bears win the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's got his own like he's got his own fucking stand and he's like <laughs> he's like, hey, I'm Bob the Crystal Guy Kowalski and uh, I sell crystals for the working man. <laughs> that right there is my uh, my rare obsidian crystal in the shape of a Polish sausage. Helps protect <laughs> the arteries. <laughs> and that over there is a uh that's an exact replica. Of Ditka's skull, uh, <laughs> I painted it orange and blue for the Bears, yeah. uh, and that's going to power us uh, to the Super Bowl. And uh, right here is a rare turquoise gem shaped like a lawn chair. It brings good luck when trying to find a parking spot in the city, you know what I mean? <laughs> this will give you dibs anywhere in the city. Uh, no need to put out a piece of furniture. Nobody will park in this space. These are some sapphires that, uh, you know, they help me feel safe and they bring me great wisdom and royalty when I'm trying to pick out lotto numbers. <laughs> uh, this ruby, this is the biggest <laughs> ruby on the earth. Uh, it's in the shape of a deep dish pizza. <laughs> and it promotes sexual health. Sexual <laughs> health. 
Fertility. Fertility. You know, know, healthy birthing. Uh, It's good to put it, if you're going to give, if you got a water birth, put it in the water. It's been used that way several times. I don't clean that thing. No, Uh, no. It doesn't need it. It's crystal. It's ruby. (laughs) Yeah, the city's trying to come up and uh, shut me down a few times because I've, uh, you know, I've uh, accidentally thrown my moonstone through yeah. uh, a few different uh, local establishments. Uh, you know, ironically, moonstones bring balance and harmony, but, you know, I have anger issues. I named my daughter Crystal Shards. <laughs> Kowalski. And uh, I named her that because uh, my wife uh, told me she was pregnant and then I was eating a big old Italian beef at Al's Beef and then I took a big crystal shark (laughs) in the toilet in the back after she told me we were having a daughter. I I was so shocked. I crystal sharded. (laughs) I eat crystals. By so the anyway, way. yeah, all these small amethysts you see on the table, these are uh, $12 a piece. Hey, geez, while I was talking, everybody walked away. <laughs> I didn't even notice. <laughs> what gives? Yeah, get your crystal skulls here, your crystal skulls. You Two know, for the $40. Reason, you know, the reason that that skull, that, that was the Mitchell Hedges skull that came to that expo. That's right. And Dan you know, Hooman brought it. Yeah, and do you know why? Bill, Bill Holman. Bill Homan, Dan Homan. Dan Homan. <laughs> Dan Homan is my partner. Dan Homan, I'm Bill Kowalski. The Crystal Guys, we're the Crystal Guys. Dan Homan. G-U-Y-S, not G-U-I-S-E. This is not a fake business. So quite asking. But the... Uh, the, the Mitchell Hedges skull lives in Chesterton, Indiana, so it doesn't live far from Chicago. Ah. And what a place to live. What from the beautiful uh, Lubatoon, <laughs> fucking an ancient Mayan temple to what could be considered the ancient Mayan temple of America, Chesterton, Indiana. <laughs> the, ancient, the ancient Mayan temple of Northwest Indiana, Chesterton. Oh, it's got so many relics, so many artifacts. Near the dunes, I think. It's right there near the dunes. Uh, You might want to bring with you a jasper. Uh, This crystal is known as the Supreme Nurturer. Shaped in the form of a uh, a a, uh, Miller Lite. That's all I got on that one. (laughs) (laughs) That's the end of that story. Oh, yeah. Chesterton's real close to the Indiana Indiana Jones, Indiana Dunes National Park. I want to go to the Indiana Jones National Park. (laughs) You can. It's in Disney World. Oh, yeah. I've ever been there. I I saw that stunt. You've been to Disney World, have you? Yeah, I saw that. I saw that stunt show where they recreate that, that fight. With the airplane from uh, Uh what is that? Raiders of the Lost Ark, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Raiders of the Lost Ark. Which one's your favorite Indiana Jones movie? I've only seen the first one, so the first one. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) I think Raiders Uh, of the Lost Ark is the best one. I really like that end where all those faces melt. Oh yeah, it looks like ice cream. Yeah, yummy. 
Well, I like Indiana Jones. He's fun. Yeah, he's yeah. Fun little movie. Yeah. Whip it. Whip it good. Um, yeah, Bill uh what's his name? Bill Human? <laughs> Bill Holman. Bill Holman. And uh Anna Mitchell. Anna Mitchell Hedges, they were fucking. They've, they they probably uh, fucked. Well, I mean, that doesn't like come up, it up. Nobody asks. I mean, this them. crystal skull. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah, I'd I'd like to know how the sex was because there was a 30 year age difference between them. Well, you know, age is just a number. Apparently, when you've got the sexual healing and the sexual vitality of a crystal skull. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Anna Mitchell Hedges was uh 90 some years old when she died. Yeah, she lived a long time, a long, a good, long, healthy life. Mm-hmm. Is it because of the skull? Maybe, Andy. She believed in the skull. I mean, she truly believed in the skull. The skull, we didn't really bring this up in the research, but the skull uh, kind of became like a religious thing and towards the end. Wouldn't you say? Um, With her like kind of parading the skull around and then people wanting to be in the presence of the skull and like feel the skull's energy and they would put the skull up on like a pedestal. Yeah, I guess it it kind of like these skulls have kind of like <laughs> a, a religious artifact kind of. And like you know thing. that old saying, never put the skull up on a pedestal. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. You just you're putting the skull up on a pedestal and that's why the skull doesn't want to fuck you. <laughs> look, look, you bunk funkers out here simping for skulls. Don't don't bother. <laughs> Be true to who you are. Love yourself first. That skull is clearly with uh, Dan Homan. Bill. What's his fucking name? Bill Homan. Oh, okay, I got it wrong. I got it written down wrong. Bill Homan. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and, and, and that that skull is walking around. It's looking very sexy. It's got its removable jaw, and you're thinking like, oh, well, you know, I mean, you know, I talked to the skull at the Chicago. Uh, Crystal and uh, Mind Body Spirit Expo, Expo, and I thought, you know, maybe like you know, someone happened. It's like, listen, that skull's taken. Quit simping for it. Go find yourself a skull who appreciates you, for you. Yeah, you can get these skulls on the internet from all over the world. I'm sorry. What were you going to say before I cut you off about uh, skulls on the pedestal? That I I said it. I said, don't simp for the skull. Oh, that's all you were going to say? That's it. That's all I wanted. Oh. And now I'm saying, hey. No, we were talking about it being like a religion. Oh, 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 a religion. Uh, Yeah, it is kind of, it does, it's like, it's got like this, uh, it's like a, like a shroud of Turin kind of thing, you know, where people yeah. like want to be in its presence and, yeah. and stuff. Um, Yeah, they, you know, Anna Mitchell Hedges like exhibited the skull occasionally toured with the skull like you know it's one of those things charging admission and stuff you know you could and i mean that that she played a fucking face melting solo i mean their tour i mean their fucking north american (laughs) tour was like i mean they toured with metallica with fucking yeah 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 that was (laughs) they were with slayer sick sick lineup it was fucking metallica slayer opening for skull of doom yeah Anna, Anna Mitchell Hedges uh, shredding the guitar and uh, the Mitchell Hedges skull playing all the other instruments telepathically. All right, this weekend only, it's the Skull of Doom at the British Amphitheatre. We've got Skull of Doom on vocals with Anna Mitchell Hedges on the hurdy-gurdy. 
playing all her classic hits. Which I are. rock hard for you. There it is. <laughs> uh, Diamonds are a girl's best friend. Quartz timepiece. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Um, rock suck of it, love. Suck it to me. <laughs> and of course, Rain and Blood by Slayer, a cover. <laughs> <laughs> which hasn't even been written yet <laughs> this but the skull only, knows it the skull knows all this weekend only you know uh aside from aside from that max is kind of the same thing the max the joanne yeah, park skull max might be a little even bit more yeah i mean that that tour is like more than than i think anna mitchell hedges even toured the skull of doom uh the pontiac silver dome it's max versus the uh, mitchell hedges skull <laughs> <laughs> two skulls enter both skulls leave probably they're pretty hard yeah <laughs> um yeah they both they both have kind of the same thing where it's like you know people people want to be near them they want to touch them they want to like feel the heal the power of the skull or whatever I mean, we have the same problem. Yeah, people want to be near Everywhere us, we go, people are always us. trying to touch us. They want our healing powers. It's like, leave us alone. You know, it's like people want to be near us, and so you oblige them, and you go right up to them, and you get right near them, and then they and then they want to put their hands all over you, and they start pushing you and saying, right. get away from me, creep. Right, don't right. stand so close to me. We're supposed to social distance. Why don't you have a mask? What's all that moisture all over your body? Is that gravy in your hand? I mean, and it's I like, a, <laughs> it's like, geez, I'm just, I'm just trying to live my life. And, you know, I, uh, I can't be sweating, everybody. My sweating is actually a predictor of a natural catastrophe coming. So uh, it's kind of like a magical medical condition. Yeah. Now, every time when I go outside, I start to sweat and I say, danger, danger, danger. <laughs> my mask is actually the lower jawbone of the uh, skull of doom. Wow. The actual <laughs> lower jawbone. Yeah. Yeah, geez, that's a good mask. It's a great mask. Yeah. It completely covers my lower jaw, but not my mouth or my nose. <laughs> yeah, not your mouth or your nose. It does nothing <laughs> functional, but it looks cool as hell. Yeah, it looks fucking dope. Yeah, yeah. You look like a fucking badass who knows the future. Well, anyway. like, What else is there to talk about with these uh, crystal I, I mean, we do just have to address it that Anna Mitchell Hedges admitted to murder. <laughs> Like she, you yeah, know. slaying fucking poon with her badass skull and her cool <laughs> stories. Maybe that's what she meant. God damn, <laughs> knocking him dead with her sick jokes. Yeah, you know it's like I don't know. It's like she, you know that is fucking weird. Who did she murder? Did she ever say it was no? Who, who found? Who did she tell that information to? And why didn't the person respond with wait what? Like who? Who did uh, you murder? I guess I don't remember if this was like in an interview where she said this, or if this was like in a letter to somebody that she said that that she had she had tested it to like she imagined you know she she willed death on somebody and then it happened. Wow, and that person That's died. Fucked up. Yeah, she. So you know. There's more than just a skull in her closet. There's skeletons in her closet because she <laughs> murdered somebody. <laughs> she murdered somebody and also <laughs> failed to prevent the assassination of JFK. 
She Fucking saw it. Hell. She could have prevented it. She did not do it. With great power comes great responsibility, mm-hmm. Anna Mitchell Hedges. You mm-hmm. fucked up. Yeah, Anna Mitchell Hedges, good at having a skull for a long time, bad at being a superhero. Because um, she used her powers for evil, not good. Well, we don't know. Maybe she, well, yeah, maybe she killed somebody evil. We don't know. Um we don't but, know. She had a real life death note, and we don't know if she was very much like a light Yagami or a um I forget the I forget the other characters in that. Well, I'm clearly gonna be no help on this. This sounds like an No, anime. yeah, I know. You you've never seen uh you've never seen the anime or read the manga. Yeah. I had a manga smoothie the other day. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh Oh boy. Um Yeah, so uh What else is there with these crystal skulls? I mean, the you know, the story kind of covers it, you know. Where where are you lining up here, Andy? Not well, before we get to verdicts, but Yeah. You know, I think one thing the scientific about scientific testing isn't really uh Yeah. Favorable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like uh you know, if you like they can show the differences, right? Like these, uh, you know, it, it seems like these skulls are more modern creations. I mean, there was some speculation that maybe the bigger skulls came from Germany um, at the in the late 19th century, but they don't really know for sure. Um, you know, there's like to make those skulls, they don't think there's like sufficient crystal deposits in places where civilizations to which these skulls are attributed. They don't think there's sufficient crystal deposits there to, Mm. uh, to like make objects of this size or purity, but there's like lots of crystal in places like Brazil and Madagascar. Um, so it, it probably that like lends credence to them being more modern than more ancient because, you know, there wouldn't have been crystal available to those people from those places. Uh, pre-Columbus. So, right. Uh, and the, the machining, like when you look at it under the microscope, I mean, they never obviously didn't have, you know, access to the high-powered microscopes that are available today to examine these things in the, like, 1930s or the late 1800s. So they couldn't see evidence of the, the rotary wheels uh, just because they didn't have the ability to look at it as a telescope, but it's like even the Mitchell Hedges skull in the seventies, Frank Dorland said there was evidence of modern machining on the teeth. Um, it's just that he didn't think that he didn't think that it was, it could be done by the technology that they had available, uh, from the way he saw it. But, um, yeah, I don't know that he's like necessarily, you know, one thing that comes up with this is that, uh, is like, why would something like this catch on? And, uh, hmm. you know, like, why would people believe it? Because there's no inherent need to believe in the power of a crystal skull, right? Yeah. So, in the research, there's, like, some interesting discussion in one of the resources from Ohio State about how this, uh, like, like Mid- Frederick Mitchell Hedges was kind of a, a somewhat respected authority on like things of archaeology uh, for some reason, because he was like, you know, prominent, I guess, in culture uh, of the day. 
and he was a published author. And so people tend to be like, oh, well, you know, he's published. So he's probably not just telling lies or making stuff up. And then somebody like Frank Dorland, who is, you know, billed as like an expert, you know, he says, well, I don't think that they could have done and that this could be done even today, the way the skull is carved. Well, people believe him because he's an expert, right? I don't have the wherewithal to like say how you work crystal. I have no idea. Uh, so it's like, there's this, uh, you know, like it gets this air of, and then you say like, well, ancient peoples, you know, had these legends, but it's like, those legends are more our modern creation too. It's just that, you know, it like actually exists long enough and people say it long enough that it kind of like works its way back to being part of the more modern culture of some of the people like uh, Leonardo Acul, you know, saying that it's a legend, but it doesn't seem like it's a legend that's actually, there's no evidence that it's legit ancient. I don't know. It's just very interesting to me how something like this catches on, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, it's neat. Like you said, it's neat. Yeah, I think it is. I think you're right. I mean, I think you're, you're kind of touching at it, which is that they're considered experts on this stuff. And so it was really Anna Mitchell Hedges who kind of like talked about the skull and spread the story of the skull. Yeah. But you know, FA didn't even bring it up. So yeah, it's like when you throw it out there that like, Hey, this is where we found this. And I used my own two hands and picked this up. Like most people are going to be like, okay, yeah, right. You know, it's like, cause, cause there's nothing, there's nothing about it that makes you go, oh, well, there's no way that could be not ancient. I mean, I have no idea, right? Like on its face, I don't know. Could ancient people make this? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But, you know, when you dig into it, like uh, Jane McLaren Walsh is kind of an expert on uh, Mesoamerican lapidary, which is like the, like the, like a stone, like the process, like the process of shaping stones and stuff. And they didn't have, they didn't have a rotary wheel until after Europeans showed up. So it's like, there's no way that it could have been as old as people said, if it was, if there's evidence that it was worked with a rotary wheel, they have no evidence that uh, ancient peoples in the Americas had access to that technology. Right. Until after Europeans arrived. Thus, leaving the only option to be, which you can sort of, is kind of like the catch-all, which is, well, aliens. Right, right. You can always, like, kind of reverse engineer it and say, well, someone with the technology made these in the past, either aliens or Atlanteans, and gave them to these people. But, you know, we're on the record about Atlantis. It was not plausible. Right. Uh... We've been on the record about ETs. Not high not high plausibility there for us either. I mean, I'm kind of, I guess I'm uh, spoiling the end of the show, but I'm just saying. Just ETs, saying. ETs like that, uh, extraterrestrials are like that, uh, that, uh, what do they call it? Where it's like that catch-all, the uh, deus ex machina. Is that the yeah phrase? Deus Ex Machina? I think is when like something happens in the plot for the sake of moving the plot along or something. Yeah, that's to me like what extraterrestrials oh, are, where it's like stupid, where it's like oh you worked yourself into a corner because science doesn't agree with you. It's like well, like Bill Holman, he's just like you know he like they at Smithsonian 
looked at the skull, the Mitchell Hedges skull, and Jane McLaren Walsh said, like, I don't think that this is ancient at all because of all the modern tool working. And she showed Bill Homan, you know, where this, what a skull that's worked with Aztec tools looks like versus what, uh, the Mitchell Hedges skull looks like, and they don't look anything alike. Uh, right, right, right. The tool markings. And Bill's just kind of like, yeah, okay. No, I still believe in it though. So it's <laughs> like, it's just kind of like, oh, well, okay. Anyway. Yeah, listen, lady, you're not going to take down my entire crystal empire that I've got working here <laughs> with right. my, uh, that I, yeah. that I procured from my, uh, my 96 year old slam piece. Okay. <laughs> I was her fuck buddy for about, uh, 40 years there, and uh, now I've inherited your crystal skulls. And the Mitchell slam piece. That's what I called her. <laughs> You're not going to take down my empire, all right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With your science. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, for some some people, there's like a clear gain, like the Mitchell Hedges, you know? They made money off that skull. So there's an incentive to create a myth about it. Uh-huh. Get people to pay to see it and stuff. Write books. Sure. Oh, yeah. But you know what's interesting is uh, F.A. mentioned it in the original version of his memoir, Danger My Ally. But that part about the skull got removed from subsequent editions. So it only appears in that first edition. Interesting. wonder why so, that is. Yeah, it's like again, if if this was the if this was the real deal and that story is totally true, why not just leave it in? Like he doesn't seem shy. Hmm. Well, Andy, I think it's uh I think there's only one more thing we can do is that is uh get to verdicts. Oh, you know? baby, yeah, we can get to verdicts. All right, why don't you go ahead? Um so I think I'm going to sh- surprise you a little with my verdict art. Okay. Um, so talking about these crystal skulls, you know, I get back to the thing of a lot of people say, you know, that they feel something when they're with the skull. Like, you know, people attribute, like Joanne Parks said, you know, treatments from the, the healer that involved Max helped extend her daughter's life. By multiple years uh other people you know they they buy these little skulls online uh that have been quote unquote charged by one of the real skulls like you know oh you've been charged by max or whatever like and you buy a little skull that's got some of that energy in right. it and people people you know buy put them in their home and they you know say it makes them feel better and stuff like that you know, I think the skulls are, it's like cool. They look cool. Um, yeah. You know, like school skulls are fucking kick ass. Like everybody loves yeah. skulls. They're fucking badass. Like uh, you put them like on a t-shirt with like some text message that says like, hey, I'm a fucking January John and you better not mess with my wife who is also a musket from, from 1865. Hey. So don't fuck with her, and you don't fuck with me. I'm a May John. Don't bother me while I'm <laughs> procuring the services of a prostitute. 
Or you'll see a side of me that'll make crazy look like a good place. You have a big, like, big skull with, like, some badass flames on the front. And on the back, it just says, stomp on my ass. (laughs) It's a skull that looks like the American flag. Yeah. And it says, I eat guns. Get out. so the whole shirt is like a skull but the mouth is open right at the belly button and inside the mouth of the skull is tiny text that says don't like it eat my ass <laughs> there's there's another one too that's just like a uh, like a bunch of different skulls and they're on like three different places where your nipples would be and where your belly button would be and in the middle it's like a it's like almost like a triangle it's like a triforce and it says like I'm a big old I'm a big old peepee boy and I like to I like to play my little peepee games so don't fucking talk to me until I've had my breakfast. <laughs> Great shirt. Uh the the back is a skull with crossed eyes like it's got eyeballs in the sockets and they're crossed. And the front of the shirt says, <laughs> "I went to school to be a forklift operator, yeah. but I didn't have the gumption to stick with it and never graduated." <laughs> Now I dream about forklifts, but I'm crazy (laughs) and have anger issues and I commit crimes daily. (laughs) I have road rage (laughs) and keep weapons in my bedroom. Um, I was born in March. Yes. (laughs) My mom bought me this shirt. Thanks, mom. Look on the back to see a skull. I got one that's like a badass skull and he's riding a fucking dope ass Harley Davidson motorcycle and he's wearing a cool top hat and, and the everything's on fire. He maybe he's in hell or something. And it just it, there's like a big old speech bubble and the and the the the, the uh, skull skeleton that's riding the Harley Davidson is like flicking you off and it's saying like yeah i'm listening to bitch by michelle branch what of it i'm a bitch i'm a bitch and it just repeats that over and over again until the shirt ends that was michelle branch that shirt is wrong oh fuck who was that (laughs) (laughs) no it's better if the shirt's wrong uh so i have one where this there's a skull flying a jet liner like an airliner and the skulls looking at you out of the cockpit and it just says underneath can't fly without hands. (laughs) And then there's a question mark and the shirt's extra long. So the like dot underneath the question mark is right on the crotch. Oh my God. Um, (laughs) <laughs> uh, 
Those are some great shirts, man. Yeah. Those are some great fucking shirts. Order those from the Mr. Bunker shop. Uh, yeah. People have been asking about merch, and then we're thinking about making one of those shirts into a merch. <laughs> so vote on what your favorite version is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so these skulls are fun. Like, I like the stories behind them. I don't know. It's kind of neat. Like, uh, you know, I think the real, like, thing about it is, like, I am, you know, I'm not, like, they they all show evidence of being more modern creations, like, to fill a need that Europeans had for artifacts. Uh, Europeans can't get enough artifacts. Um, God, they look and love God, them. So many fucking artifacts. They can't eat it up. Gobble, gobble, gobble. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, like a lot of my people... My favorite cereal, Captain Crunch. Oops, all artifacts. <laughs> Oops. Let me just get these artifacts from this hole in the ground. Ooh, I better bend over <laughs> at the waist. <laughs> God damn it, Captain Crunch. Uh, saucy minx. Him and his erotic ass. Um, <laughs> he is pretty thick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Captain Crunch is dummy thick. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. So There's a quote if I ever heard one. <laughs> Andy 2020, Captain Crunch is dummy thick. Put me on the record. Uh, someday that'll probably be my epitaph. So... Yeah. You know, and, and people buy the little skulls that have been energized by the real skulls and whatever. It makes them feel better. It's like a, it's like a sugar pill. You know, it's a placebo. Right. You we know. talked about this with goop. We talked about this with goop. Right. Or the, you know, the whatever, the cancer thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like, I think if you're, as long as you're realistic about it, the secret, that's probably what you're talking about. Well, we talked about it with Big Pharma too. Big Pharma, yeah. But it's but like. Yes, also the secret. You know, it's like, I think if you keep things in perspective, like, these are relatively harmless. Yeah. You know, it's like, if you keep it in perspective and hey, if it, yeah. I think there's some kind of energy and it makes you feel better, like, I'm kind of okay with that. We all um, got things that make us feel better. Yeah. Yeah. As long as you're just like. In moderation. Right. You know, don't, don't go too far with it. Don't. Like when I drink tea or coffee from my favorite mug. It's like I feel better when I drink it out of a boring ass mug. Right. Yeah. No, I'm serious. Yeah. Can you guess what my favorite mug is, Andy? Um, oh, uh, it's, um, <laughs> it's got a picture of a skull on it. Yeah. <laughs> it's got, a, yeah, your favorite mug is the one you have that. Uh, says, so I fucking sure. love meatballs. <laughs> no. 9-11 was an inside job. Yeah. <laughs> I've lived I lived in Yugoslavia before. Knock knock. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> That's your favorite no, mug. It's close. It's my Witcher 3 mug, which I actually have right next to me. Wow. It goes with you everywhere. That's right. Um It's a great mug. So, you know, I don't know. I like these skulls are like fine. Um and here's the thing, like maybe it does make some people feel better. You know what I mean? Um, so all that said, uh, you know, I'm not a believer that these are really ancient. I think they're modern. I also don't really believe that they're, they're ET related or whatever. Like, I think these are just skulls that were crafted by people. Um, but some people just kind of feel like when you make quartz into a skull, it changes the quartz into some kind of energetic thing. Uh, and it makes them feel better. So, you know, plausibility I'm going plausible quirk. 
<laughs> Just almost plausible quartz. Yeah, plausible. I'm going plausible quartz. Uh, no, plausible quark because, hey, one of the claims is uh, healing powers. If these skulls make you feel better, it's kind of kind of right. Right. If you don't True. carry it too far. So this is the tiniest smidge of plausibility because I think some people probably actually do feel better from them. So, you know, I don't think there's many of the claims that are that check out, but maybe that one a little. Um, Fair enough, Andy. I mean, that's a fair verdict. You know, I'll probably match you on that verdict. Okay. I'll, I'll go halvesies with you on that verdict. Okay, okay. Um, we'll bring that verdict to the table. We'll say you, you did most of the work and then I'll just kind of come in and put my name on the group project as well. <laughs> right. Right. As is usual. Yeah. Um, no, I don't really have any, you know, other dissenting opinions or whatever, uh, uh, uh other opinions to voice. I mm-hmm. think you voiced it pretty well. I okay. agree. You know, yeah. you like the little fucking skulls. You like a little fucking skull. I would probably, if I, if somebody gave me a fucking cool little crystal skull, I would keep a little cool little crystal skull. Crystals are cool. I mean, when you were a kid, I liked collecting, um, cool looking stones or marbles or what well, I usually played games with the marbles. I actually would like, like flick the marbles and play marble games with by, by myself. I, I didn't have anybody to play with, uh. but no, I, I liked collecting marbles. They were neat. And I liked looking at, uh, different colored marbles. Um, God, I was so into marbles as a kid. <laughs> no, I like, I liked collecting lots of different little things. Um, famously when I was a little boy, I used to collect trash and my family still brings that up. How I had a I had a literal box of literal trash where I would find interesting things out and about in the world. Like I had a tiny rock that looked like a duck, and I found it, yeah, out in the forest. And so I kept it. I had that in there. I had like a cool looking stick. Uh, it was a lot of garbage. I found like a couple twist ties in the grocery store parking lot that I picked up, and those were in there. <laughs> So yeah, I, that's that's kind of like me. If you yeah. kind of want to learn a little bit more about me, that was me. Okay. But yeah, that was where our verdict. You're a trash hoarder. Okay, <laughs> I'm a trash man. A little garbage a trash. A little man. garbage hoarder. The trash man. Hey, I'm Bill Kowalski, and I uh, sometimes moonlight as a trash man. And by that I mean I'm not employed by the city of Chicago. I just pick up trash and bring it to my home. <laughs> that's right. Um, let us know what you think about the crystal skulls. Do you have crystals? Do you believe in the healing power of crystals? What have crystals done for you? Let us know. Email us, mrbunkerpod at gmail.com. Tweet or Instagram us at mrbunkerpod. Find us on YouTube. Um, YouTube. Which will say this. You should probably subscribe to our YouTube because I believe the day after this episode airs, okay. there's going to be a big announcement about our YouTube channel. Oh, boy. Um, a new, uh, you might hear a new little YouTube production coming from the Mr. Bunker Conspiracy Time YouTube channel. So mm-hmm. find us on there. And, yeah. um, you know, you could have gotten information. In fact, you could, you could see maybe what's coming out on the YouTube channel before it goes out on the YouTube channel and before you heard it on this episode. If you join the Patreon, Andy, oh, patreon.com. Yeah. Slash Mr. Bunker Pod and um, I should join that thing so I know what the hell is going on. <laughs> yeah, that's right. What is you this fucking announcement? <laughs> <laughs> um, you can you can get behind the scenes sneak peeks, episode sneak peeks every single week, and you can get um, video sneak peeks before they're released to the public. 
you can get uh and the the kind of the main thing you can get is brand new episodes every month of our patreon only show andy and art debunked which is kind of like this but a lot looser and a lot more so um we're covering all sorts of fun episodes on that and um we got a new one coming out next month so consider joining if you have the means patreon.com slash mr bunker pod uh well my little crystalline my little crystalline my uh my clandestine crystalline little boy (laughs) andy boy (laughs) what say you crystal boy um any i think this episode was clear as crystal what do you say yeah yeah i would say everything was crystal clear one crystal clear quartz filled whole enchilada. Try eating I, through that. Yeah, I'm I'm going home happy. I'm not going to be scrying tonight. That's for sure. <laughs> but you are going to bludgeon yourself in the skull. Yeah, as I do every night. That's how I fall asleep. Yeah. You start well, unconscious and then you wake up conscious. <laughs> and you feel and that's so how the cycle rusted. works. Well, uh, I suppose we should wrap it up here, Andy. What do you say? Yeah, yeah, that's that's fine. We'll wrap it up in uh, a uh, soft cloth so as not mm. to damage the fine polish. That's right. We want to damage our fine, fine polish. So for not the titular Mr. Bunker, but for my docile. Docile? My docile. Co-host Andy Hart, I'm Art Stone saying that Jeez. was the whole enchilada. Mind your pints and quartz. Eh? That's what ransomware is all about. It's psychological pressure. Ransomware. When your computer's hacked into and your data held ransom. Attacks are on the rise and Russian gangs are making billions of dollars. The moment I got that message, I knew our greatest fears that we ever have are starting to come through. The post-Cold War era is over. Dot com, the hacking. A new season from Crowd Network with me, Katie Puckrick. Just search for dot com, that's D-O-T-C-O-M, and subscribe.